Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name's Jay Mack, aka Celtics Jay. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Tonight, the Celtics participated in the Carson Edwards Summer League Showcase Special, and joining me to discuss this and more is the one, the only, OCOG, the upvote toting dynamo, Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you feeling, brother? Dude, I'm doing good, Jay. Uh, thanks for that incredible introduction. I absolutely do not deserve it. But, you know, if you can fly high on a Summer League win, then I am flying high on another Summer League win. The Summer Celtics, probably the best team that's ever been constructed. So I'm ready to talk, man. Let's do it. Yeah, well, as you said, Celtics tonight blow out the 76ers 100-80, led by a balanced scoring attack and multiple runs in the third quarter. Zach August led all scorers with 18 points. Who? Seems appro- <laughs> right. <laughs> Seems appropriate someone make a I'm the captain now meme for him. That's, that's the first thing that came to my head. Carson Edwards had 16 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Spoons, is there any reason you can think of why Carson Edwards shouldn't be starting for the Celtics this season. Uh, how long do we want to go on this <laughs> podcast? Because I could hit you uh, for at least an hour of reasons why Carson Edwards should not start. But I will say, uh, I think this game represented in a lot of ways. Uh, shout out to my fellow WVU Mountaineer, Joe Missoula. Joe clearly got the word on high from Brad to showcase our guy, Carson Edwards. And for the love of God, try and find a trade partner for Carson. But I will say this is probably one of the best performances he's had as a Celtic, uh, which it's summer league. So who cares? Kind of, but he looked a lot more playable tonight than he has the rest of the summer league and two blocks. Has he had two blocks in his career before that? I don't think I've seen him play defense in his career until today. So I don't know what got in. Like I said, it's, it was the Carson Edwards Showcase special. There was no PP in the house. Nope. Yam uh, pulled his groin in excitement watching the last blowout. And so we didn't have any side of yams for this one. It's a shame. So it was all Carson all night. Um, the only one trying to steal any of this shine was, was Zach. Is it August or Augusta? I, I when it has the E at the end, I'm not sure. Well, and then I just feel bad. No, it's it, what's the tricky part is a dual citizen with the United States and Greece. So you almost want to, you know, 
Churchy give it a little, a little extra bit. accent, yeah, yeah. A little oomph, but it is. I think it's August. Yeah, it's just August. I think so. Yeah, he was balling out today, dude. He looked really good. He was like hitting threes. He was rebounding. He was protecting the rim a little bit. He almost looked like he might stick around in the G League, but he's also twenty eight. So yeah, yeah, he's an old guy. He played at Notre Dame almost a decade ago. A little so, late to the party. Yeah, a little late, but it's fun watching. That's. Part of the reason I love Summer League is you watch kind of these random guys who are like, oh, yeah, I remember that dude from March Madness seven years ago. He was pretty good. So I kind of get a trip down memory lane, but he played an excellent game, man. Shout out to Zach August or Augusta or Auguste, whatever his name is. So what are some of your takes from the game? Do you have any hot takes from this? I mean, we saw... It seemed like a couple of guys maybe not going all out like we've seen the last couple of games. Neesmith kind of took a little bit more of a backseat a couple of times, stepping into almost like that point Neesmith role again, which we saw a little bit in the last game. Um, But we didn't see a heavy dose of it, and he didn't seem to be out there hunting for a shot. Instead, again, we saw a lot of creation going principally through Carson Edwards. Um, We saw a lot of activity from Bruno. I know I had my eyes on Romeo, but... Spoons, I want to hear from you. What stood out for you? All right, first, let's talk about Neesmith, because I think Neesmith was playing the full-on 100% do-not-get-injured game. Uh, He looked like, you know, I will never question Neesmith's effort in a game that matters. That guy has shown he will go balls to the wall every second he's on the court if the game matters, and he had done so during Summer League. Tonight, he was sleepwalking through the game, man. He was kind of taking, you know, he had a couple nice, hard drives to the rim when he decided, all right, I'm better than these guys. I'll show them how. But for the most part, I think he was just kind of out there floating around, getting some reps in, taking some pull-ups. I mean, he had one filthy pull-up in the second quarter where it was like, all right, he's, you know, shut him down, Joe. It's over. End his summer league now. Uh, I felt like he was kind of sleepwalking through a little bit, which I'm totally fine with. I have no concerns with Neesmith. He showed me enough in Summer League that I don't need to see anything else from him. Yeah, it wasn't like he was. He seemed disinterested, but at this point, you want to see that that constructive, uh, relaxed play from right. Like you said, you don't you don't want him going out there at this point and getting hurt. He's demonstrated that he's a step above exactly. most of the rest of the talent that's out there. Which exactly. is, that's what we wanted to see anyway. Like, that's what you want to see from a player like that, that you drafted, you know, in his position, didn't get a, a great, you know, didn't get a great chance to showcase his talents in any kind of uh, summer league or even preseason much last, you know, for last yeah. season, you know, started showing some flashes of stuff, especially there in the play. I mean, him and Romeo, I thought both shined in the playoffs. I thought they both, despite the circumstances, despite not being able to really push that series to be competitive, those guys showed why there is some hype. And Neesmith, the summer league has just made that go to the nth degree, right? Like yeah, it's, it's, it's totally clear. City. I think it's totally clear. He's going to be at worst, a solid rotational player in the NBA. And at the 14th pick, that's a hit. I do think the most interesting guy to talk about is Romeo though. Um, because Romeo, it's almost like in the playoffs, he was like a pure 3 and D player, right? Like he hit some corner threes and his defense, you know, as good. He played as good as you can play against James Harden. Like he got roasted a few times, but it's James Harden. That's going to happen. And he's kind of extended that into summer league, right? Like you 
thought you kind of wanted to see uh, Romeo get in there, make a bunch of plays, get to the rim. Uh, he's dunked on a few people, but it's not like he's had the ball in his hands and he's just getting it at, to the rim at will. Frankly, Neath Smith's gotten to the rim much more easily than Romeo has. So he was drafted as kind of this sort of slasher ball in his hands, secondary playmaker type. And I almost think his future might be more as a three and D guy from what he's shown in the playoffs in summer league. So we're almost seeing, so you're suggesting almost like a role reversal from what you would have expected a year ago between Neesmith and Romeo, where Romeo looks more like the, or rather Neesmith looks more like the creator. Now Romeo's looking like more of the, the stationary three and D traditional sort of archetype. Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. I, I'm not sure Neesmith really can project to that into the, you know, real NBA games. But I mean, there's, I think it's unequivocal. Neesmith has absolutely looked more dynamic with the ball in his hand. Uh, he's a little out of control at times, but he's hit some very nice passes. And Romeo, you know, my big concern with him, and I know this is sacrilege to criticize Romeo at times, but. He does not get any separation when he takes somebody off the dribble, man. Like, he can finish around the rim, but every finish is difficult. Like, Neesmith, when he gets to the rim, he's finishing, like, uncontested at times. Like, Romeo, seemingly, he's finishing over somebody. He's got a pump fake. I mean, it's tough finishes. He's skilled enough to finish them, but that's... I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm concerned but I just think he's projecting as a different type of player than we thought coming out of college. Yeah, 13 points for, for Romeo tonight, 5 for 12 uh, for field goals, 2 for 5 of those uh, from 3. He had a you nice know, game. He, he, he did. did. He had a nice game, no you know, doubt. I, I, I remember mentioning at some point during the game, for me, watching Romeo, what I like is that he's just seeming more poised and under control and just generally coordinated out there. Like, he seems to kind of know where he needs to be. Confident. He's He's moving with decisiveness. He doesn't look or appear lost or like he's scrambling. No doubt. So, like, for me, that seems like a gain for him because he's the type of player where if the game, until that game slows down for him enough... To really utilize, you know, his his craftiness and and his athleticism, most of the decisions that he's going to make are going to end up pretty chaotic. Uh, we're seeing now in Neesmith, the game is clearly slowed down for him. Where now he's just able to oh, go yeah. a step faster than everyone else around him. Yeah. And Peyton Pritchard essentially was doing the same thing in summer league too. He looked like Steve Nash out there. Yeah, I mean. That was bananas. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think that's an absolutely that's a great point, Jay. I mean, Romeo looked totally in control i i'm bullish on his future as an nba player after this summer league i just think that his future might be a little different than we imagined originally if that makes sense why do i get the sense like you're just being politically correct and polite about saying this dude is gonna raise his value just enough to get tradable well i mean that'd be great uh (laughs) That would absolutely be great, but no, I'm really not. I I just, you know, if you're going to be a secondary creator, man, you got to get separation off the dribble, and he's just so stiff with the handle right now, and he doesn't really have the first step. Like, I think Nisa's first step is a lot quicker than Romeo's, so he's going to have to really work on his handle. Like, Tatum does not have a quick first step, but, you know, his handle's a little sloppy at times, but he's got a deep, deep bag. And he just knows how to work space 
and get people off balance. Romeo doesn't have that right now. I mean, he's got athleticism, but it's not kind of that explosive Jalen Brown type athleticism. Um, so I, I no, I like Romeo. Like I said, I'm still bullish on his future as an NBA player. I'm just not sure he's going to be kind of that true slasher type that we thought. I did like seeing some of his finishes in the paint because he does seem to have an ability to finish even in that traffic. And so no if he's able to pick it up, if that if that handle's able to tighten up, uh, I'm not giving up on the slasher, but I do. I definitely see what you're talking about, and I, I you see it out on the court. He's got to be able to tighten up the handle. He's got to be able to take yeah. advantage of angles. Um, if he's not going to be the quickest, fastest guy on the floor, then he's got to find other ways to get to that space, to that point that he needs to get to before the defender can square up. Yeah. Now, got to ask the most important and serious question regarding Romeo. And judging by your cheesy smile, I know you know that this isn't going to be a, a, a you know a real logical question whatsoever. But how important is the number change for Romeo as we move forward? Um, so I am in the minority, Jay. I kind of like the forty-five. I don't know. The nine has got the Rondo. I mean, nine's a better number in a vacuum. I don't know. Forty-five is kind of a cool little unique number to me. Maybe I'm insane. Uh, but that said. You look quicker in a nine than you do in a 45, right? You just look more athletic in a nine. You know, you got the shades of Rondo getting to the rim and stuff like that. So um, as much as personally, I kind of like the uniqueness of the 45 he had before, I will say that I think Romeo will feel more confident representing Rondo on the court there. So I think it'll be a huge leap for him just because he changed his number. (laughs) I couldn't help but get myself wrapped up in this question, thinking about Romeo a little bit as I was watching this game, especially because it wasn't a game where, like we've already kind of you know talked about, Neesmith didn't go out there with intentions of clearly dominating and clearly didn't even yeah. need to. Is Langford fighting for minutes with Neesmith, or is he fighting for minutes with Richardson? Like, where is the opportunity for Romeo going to be, and, and who's gonna end up like if he's able to break into that rotation if he's able to find his way who's he gonna have to step in front of so i uh i think i'm probably in the minority here think and i think that it'll be at the expense of richardson i'm not super high on richardson i wrote a post actually on the sub about richardson i i just think richardson's one of those guys that he needs the ball in his hands but he's not good enough with the ball in his hands to really justify actually doing it. And I think that goes like tenfold now that we have Schroeder off the bench. Like prior to Schroeder coming, I could see Richardson being a useful bench ball handler. Now, I don't see a huge role for Richardson because, you know, he can't really shoot it that great. And he's, I would say Romeo's probably a better defensive player than he is at this point. I mean, Romeo is a beast on defense. And. If Romeo's hitting the corner threes like he was in the playoffs and like he has been in summer league, I think Josh Richardson could play himself out of the rotation because I think Neesmith absolutely is going to have a role. In fact, I think Neesmith should start. And I think Romeo and Richardson are super comparable players right now and that they both have a little bit off the bounce. They both can shoot a little bit and they both can defend. So you may as well play the guy that's 21 <laughs> and you have you know, you can lock up long-term cheap than the guy who's on an expiring contract that's not part of your future. So I think that's the guy who might be the odd man out, realistically. So 
I also I, I want to take a second because we we actually we touched base a little bit offline before we started recording about just the difference that we're noticing in the team dynamic for the summer league squad. And so one of the one of the posters in the sub senior stone 71 since getting down 10-0 in the opening minutes of their first summer league game, the Celtics have outscored their opponents by 94 points. What is what's the difference this year between what we've seen in previous summer leagues? What is this team doing that seems to be working? Because they're not just winning summer league games; like they are flat Killing out people. annihilating people <laughs> yeah. in summer yeah. league basketball. And it's not like one player is just stomping on everybody. I mean, you look at the the, the box score for tonight, and I mean it is spread out. It's yeah. sixteen for Carson, nine and eleven for Bruno, eight and four assists and three rebounds for Bagarin, thirteen and thirteen for Romeo and Aaron Neesmith, eighteen for August. Hauser had eight. 12 for Holman, most of which I think he was he was banging a couple threes there in the fourth. Yeah. Like this team just across the board is going out there. They're locked in on defense. They're moving the ball on offense. They're making actions happen. There's just there's something there. What are you seeing? No, Jay, I'm I'm totally with you. I think you're spot on. Like, I mean, they're defending their ass off. Some of the rotations are a little bit slow, but it's summer league, right? You got a bunch of guys who may not never play together again. Uh, put together for a couple weeks and for with that context their defense has been great and they're really sharing the ball um you know everybody's making the extra pass they're penetrating the paint they're putting pressure on the rim they're hitting spot ups they're kicking the ball out i mean it's kind of been it's weird to say about summer league but it's kind of been beautiful to watch i mean this has been a fun summer league to watch and i think long term what makes me hopeful and what I'm hoping is the case is that a summer league coach is an assistant coach, right? Joe Missoula is an assistant coach. He's not coaching in a vacuum. His direction comes from on top, right? His direction comes from Emudoka. So I'm hoping what we're witnessing is really the first signs of what Yudoka is going to instill on the Celtics team. And it looks like those early Brad Stevens teams were, you know, we're bigger than the sum of our parts. Everyone's going to touch the ball unless Carson Edwards starts with it at first. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to just move the ball. Everybody's going to get a piece of it. We're going to attack the basket. We're going to kick out. We're going to hit open shots. I mean, it's really been great to watch. So if that's really the precursor to the system we're going to watch next season, the Celtics are going to really surprise people, I think. I'm going to be the last person that's surprised. Yeah, same. I'm with you. I'm incredibly <laughs> bullish on the roster. Even before Schroeder came along, I, I was going to make a case for 50 wins. Here's I, the thing, I, though. I, I'm sick. Every single season, it doesn't matter what names are on the back of those jerseys. I'll be bullish on that roster no matter what. You put whoever you want on the roster, and I'm going to get excited. I just yeah. can't help myself. There's something no, wrong you, with man. me, and I don't want it fixed. Um, another commenter <laughs> in the sub, Excess Karma. Uh, posts. Johan Bagarin is going to be the Celtics Giannis. Changed my mind. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, hyperbole. Just, for hyperbole the record, <laughs> Jay didn't run that quick comment by me before we got on. Uh, no, please go ahead. Hyperbole aside, what are we seeing from Bagarin? You know, I'm I'm liking the energy. I keep having this comp come into my head with this guy of Jared Wallace. Um, 
That's Jared Wallace. Gr- that's a great comp. You know, not not a guy that's really probably going to ever be a consistent threat from outside. Gerald Wallace really at no point in his career ever was, but he was called Crash for a reason, right? He put his body on the line every single game, brought that energy, that fire, could get to the rim, was a defensive menace, especially in his prime years. Um, You know, I don't think when he got, by the time he got to the Celtics, we didn't get to see the best of him by any stretch, but we still saw a good player. Yeah. Um, so that's that, that's the comp that keeps coming into my head. Um, you know, I'm appreciative of your uh, your initial uh, affirmation of that, but but other thoughts that you have on Bagarin because we kind of we dogged on on that pick a little bit. We we you know we to- we poked fun when that when that pick came through, but he's kind of making me feel a little funny about all that now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I kind of feel like an asshole uh, <laughs> with how I reacted to that pick because. Uh, I think, Jay, that is an absolutely amazing comparison because, you know, Gerald Wallace had a couple of things. Like, as you said, I mean, he was called Crash for a reason. That dude went 100% offensive glass, defensive glass, on defense all the time. But he had a little bit of, you know, he had that strong athletic build like Bagarin does. And he could move his feet. He could guard up a position or two. And he had a little bit of playmaking. You know, he knew how to play the game the right way. He always made the right pass. He didn't make mistakes. And Bagarin's made a few mistakes, but for a 19-year-old who's coming from the second division, not even the top division in France, which is where Yabu played, he's coming from the league below that, straight into Summer League, which is somewhere in between the G League and the NBA in quality. And he's looked like he's belonged, totally. I mean, it's not like he's killing the team. In fact, I'd say the opposite. You know, he's fitting into a role. He's doing the right things. He's crashing the glass. He's banging into people and hurting them a little bit. You know, I love what I've seen from him. I'm, You know, I went from kind of laughing the pick off because I thought we just, whatever, we don't want to pay somebody, so we'll stash this guy in France, to thinking like, this dude might have a future as as a role player, man. Uh, I, I really like what I've seen from him, absolutely. It doesn't take much to over overshadow the impact that a guy like Yabu had on the team, but it, it, it hasn't taken Bagarin long at all to basically do that from my perspective i mean Green. we we had a couple of moments of yabu where he kind of looked like maybe he could be a player but already began showing that he can run on an nba court and look like he belongs there he's not out of position he's not lost all of the time like he's not always making the right decisions and he's not always able to finish and he definitely needs to work on that jumper but yeah. you know he he does seem to freaking belong and he's got a great attitude. Like I like that. He's got some fire. He said, I'm coming to summer league to show you that. No, you don't want to stash me. Yep. Yeah, we probably do. Yeah. But I like that. He wants every opportunity to try to push back against that. And so, um, you know, whether they ultimately let him stay out this way or whether they do send him back, I think it's a guy that, is certainly worth, at the very least, the same investment that we'd given to Yabu to give him a shot. So the last thing that I want to point out about the game or bring up about the game before we transition maybe to some other stuff is a a comment that got posted by Master Yoda 7777 And they wrote, I just saw someone compare Bruno to KG on Instagram, laughing my ass off, and then had the a comment in response from Kanye West Ham that said disrespectful to Bruno, to be honest. And 
I bring that up because I just want our audience to know that that's my kind of humor. So when you post replies with that kind of tone, I'm about that life and I'm probably going to bring it up on the pod. So <laughs> come at folks with that humor because that shit, <laughs> like I chuckled when I read it. I was like, yeah. Jay will shout you out. That's right. <laughs> if you want to shout out, Jay will absolutely shout you and out. And I'm also, I've been on that Bruno era hype train, but that the, being said. <laughs> I will say the day we traded for him. <laughs> We have like a group text for the podcast and all of us were like, who the fuck is this guy? And Jay's like, Bruno's good. Trust me. Bruno this, can play. This is good. I remember looking at him during his, that, that year when uh, he was in the draft and I, I he was one of those cats I was hoping we might take a swing at. You know, we've always needed a big. I didn't know as much. I, I'm trying to remember if it was the same draft as Robert Williams or not. It might it might have been, but I could be mistaken. But in either case. I believe so. No, I think you're right. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It was either 18 or 19. And he's got that, like, just legit size. Like, he's a legit seven footer, big, strong kid. Um, Beast. But here's the thing I'm liking the aggressiveness on the boards. I'm liking his energy on defense. You know, he doesn't make a lot of great defensive moves as far as. He's sometimes having to recover from getting out of position. He's, He's not necessarily doing great out on the perimeter. So, you know, there's. There's some room for improvement for sure. There's a reason why he's in summer league. But the thing that's broke my heart the most, because you don't know it until you see it in a few consecutive games, and obviously he hasn't been a Celtic, so I haven't been following him. But now watching him every single minute and second that he's on the court, this guy's hands are bad. Yeah, they are. His hands are bad. But here's the thing. Um, I think you're actually... I think I would go a little one step further. I think he's been a little better on the defensive end. You know, I, I think you're right that he's definitely missed some rotations. He's definitely been out of position, but he seems like he can move his feet a little bit and he contests everything at the rim. He fouls too much, but he contests everything. And um I mean he's you know, projecting to be our four string center. I mean, what more do you want from the four string center? But what what I'm trying to get at is if his I want a double were, double spoons. I know. I, know, I want a right? double double for my fourth string set. Is that so much to ask? <laughs> but uh, all I'm getting at is if his hands were good, he probably wouldn't have been in that trade. You That's know fair. what I mean? That's fair. You know, it, like he he would have actually been a valuable player to Atlanta, so we wouldn't have got him. So all we can hope is that you know if he's like a poor man's Bismack Biombo or something, that'd be great for your third or fourth string center, right? Biombo's had a long career. You know he's not great, but he can play. Maybe Bruno can give us some minutes. That is a lot of optimism coming from a guy that is not the one that was on the hype train right off the jump. And so I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little added right now. Isn't that what? Yeah, the, no. I'm a little added right <laughs> the now. Kids say. <laughs> So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, summer league games, all well and good, but um, we've been seeing some noise, some chatter, folks in the sub, especially talking about, you know, are there any other moves to make? Is there a way to address this power forward, you know, vacancy that we seem to have? Are we all really set in our belief that Tatum can be a full-time power forward? One of the names coming up, uh, not necessarily as a potential starter, but as maybe a valuable veteran to add to the bench, is your guy that you brought up a couple times, Millsap. So speak to me and convince me that this guy has something, if anything, to offer any team at this point in his career other than the Udonis Haslam coaching from the bench 
special. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm not sure he has anything left to offer, to be honest with you, Jay. Uh, and I think that ultimately, now that Schroeder's signed, the odds that we can get him and stay under the luxury tax are pretty low. Uh, it would require moving Dunn and cutting Jabari. So it really will come down to, would you rather have Jabari Parker or would you rather have Paul Millsap? So if that's the conversation, I think you can make a pretty compelling argument for Millsap. He's clearly a better three-point shooter than Jabari. Uh, you know, he shot like 35% from three last year. Jabari's three... I mean, that shit is a line drive, man. I mean, he may, he's made a few of them, but it is ugly. Um, and Millsap is old. You know, he's not, he used to be a phenomenal defensive player. He's not anymore, but he's still probably better than Jabari Parker. Um, the one thing that Jabari's got is that Jabari's, you know, got some stuff. If you kind of you can just kind of throw the ball to Jabari and he can get you a bucket here and there and that's useful. He's got a bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's useful for bench units. Um, But I think that skill set was more useful for last year's team when we had limited bench depth. I'm not sure that skill set's as useful this year, so I think Millsap might be a better fit this season as just kind of an older guy can play like eight, ten minutes game. Give Tatum a blow. If a team's, you know, if we're playing Indiana and they've got a bang in power forward like Sabonis, you can roll Millsap out there and just kind of take some pounding, save Tatum a little bit, soak up some minutes, maybe make a three. You know, he's not going to screw up on either end. So I think that's really the argument for Millsap. So I get the logic. Uh, A lot of people have been saying, you know, almost like it's make or break off-season stuff if we get Millsap or not I do not think so but it wouldn't be the worst pickup in the world and I'd probably take him over Jabari frankly what I like about Millsap if he's got anything in the tank if he's still got the liveliness to to really get up and down that floor and I mean I just you don't you don't see him in in any kind of like important part of the game for Denver and so you just wonder what's there um yeah but Anytime he's on the court, I do like that he also adds a playmaking dynamic. Like he mm. knows how to move the ball. He knows how to work within a system of an offense. Like that's a guy that he, I, he wasn't one of those guys that would rake in a bunch of triple doubles, but he's one of those guys that would always flirt with those triple doubles. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, eight eight rebounds, six assists type yep. of games. Yeah, absolutely. And no, he, that's not the worst thing to have coming off the bench. Even like you said, you know, ten to twelve minutes. You you know, you're not counting on him for big production, but if you're getting a couple of assists, keeping the the, the offense moving, keeping things flowing, when you got your starters, especially the key ball handlers like Tatum and Smart, out of a game, you know, you got Horford and you know Millsap to help anchor. And keep that bench unit stable. I mean, you worry then with two veterans of you know their yeah, limited a, athleticism, like and availability, frankly. And, so, you know, there's pros and cons that come along with it. But if we're talking availability, Jabari Parker doesn't you know have the greatest track record either. So, you know, worse than Millsap, Frank. Really, yeah. Right? 
I mean, I'm pulling for him. I'm a Jabari, like I'm a Jabari fan at this point. I'm I'm a fan of the narrative. I, I like the idea that maybe he can really kind of develop into this super sub kind of guy. Like not maybe to the extent of like a Lou Williams or even uh, you know some of the the other Jamal Crawford is coming to mind. Like guys that would come out and just like light you up for 20 on any given night yeah we don't care if you defend right just go get buckets while our starters take a blow yeah absolutely no that's going to be his role if he's on the team for sure so there was a cool post that got put up and we're talking about looking at the bench a little bit and uh user 3eb489 which sounds made up but apparently that's a username shout out uh if you could add, he posted if this question. If you could add one former Celtics role player to this roster, who would you pick? And then just went on to clarify that this particular Celtics role player, someone that's actually been on the team for three seasons and never made an all-star game in their career. Now, in OP's post, they note Jeff Green as the person that they'd like to have. Feels like Jeff Green would be the perfect fit into that four spot. Um but spoons, I wanna I wanna get your take on former Celtic role player that would be a great fit for this current squad. All right, my guy was not on the team. I don't don't believe he was on the team for three years, but he was completely a role player. Um, so I think what we're really missing is a big four man that's switchable on defense and that can hit threes. So I think the perfect fit for this team would be James Posey. I mean, he's I like a great that. defensive player. Didn't he, play three he, years. He did not. I know. He, he hit did it not and quit it. Three years. Yeah, James he did. Posey he did. hit it and he quit it. He got his ring and he bounced. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, he kind of fell off the second we got rid of him. So it was a good non-signing by Well, he got paid. Age. Like, you know, Big I, time by Memphis, no, right? No, no hate towards uh, towards James Posey. He he won his, his second ring with us after winning one with Miami. And then, you know, Ainge wasn't going to pay him the money he was looking to to keep him around and he went and got paid elsewhere and you know I ain't mad at him for that but yeah he hit it and quit it with the Celtics <laughs> he totally did uh and I know it wasn't three years but I just think he'd be yeah I think he fits within that was definitely a former role player you know it's not like I'm saying rookie Tatum or something goofy like that you know <laughs> so I think Posey would be absolutely the perfect fit you know more recently he's kind of a Marcus Morris type um he's kind of a similar player but not as much of a chemistry issue as marcus morris so i think posey would just absolutely be perfect what about you jay what you got well i i I like that take i think james posey is a consummate example of an ideal three and d guy for me i agree with one of the commenters uh a walker 17 said give me eric williams gritty defender incredibly versatile could knock down that corner three and would feast on people in the post that was who i was considering between posey man i didn't even read the post other than the the premise shout out shout out to a walker 17 because because you gave a walker 17 gave me a warm fuzzy when i read that because that was the first place my head went listen eric williams had tenure with the celtics that dude gritted and grinded with some tough tough teams that were not winners uh but always no. played his heart out man that guy e baby he was he was like the grind father before tony allen got here right and yeah. he he would be the perfect four for yeah. this squad right now right a guy that doesn't need to have the balls in his hand to create the ball like there's multiple the ball in his hands to create 
He right. He's not a prolific three point shooter, but if you leave him over open in the corner, he's gonna he's gonna bang that. You've got to guard it and defend it. He can take he's, people inside a little bit. Like he was just. I don't know. I love Derek Williams. <laughs> he's everything we wanted Semi Ojale to be. Every, everything we wanted Semi yeah. to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that comp. Love it. No, that was a great question, man. I really appreciate it. Shout out to the sub. Yeah, yeah. 3EB489. Three, three uh, great question to bring up. I'm going to be excited to keep tabs on that thread and see some of the other names. I love threads like that because you just get folks that... You get some folks that focus on like the last five to eight years, but then you get yeah. like, you know, the folks that have been watching early 2000s, late 90s, and you get some of those throwbacks, you know, those deep cut uh, folks that get mentioned up. I saw one person mention Yeri Welsh. I almost said Leif, Rafe LaFrance. Rafe LaFrance. He would have it in the modern NBA. Rafe would have crushed in the modern NBA. He's sitting in there somewhere in that thread. I know he got mentioned at Is least he? once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So I, I want to throw out uh, a quick news blurb. Uh, Real quick before we lead into just our final segment for for this particular show, but I did see posted that Tremont Waters is officially a member of the Houston Rockets summer league team, and you know breaking news has to get broken uh, through the, only the the best of media outlets, and that is the Celtics Reddit podcast here. So yeah, you heard eat, it here. Your heart out, first. ESPN. <laughs> Take that, Woj. Let us be the tenth to tell you <laughs> that right. Tremont Waters signed with the Rockets summer league team. Do you think so? Yes or no, right? We don't have to really get into it, but yes or no, Tremont Waters is a legitimate NBA player five years from now. I league. don't think so. Uh, and the reason why, I just think he's like kind of the quadruple. I think Carson's kind of the same way. He's like the quadruple A player, they say in baseball, right? Too good for triple A, not good enough for the big leagues. Why not go over and play for Real Madrid, make hundreds of thousand dollars and be an absolute superstar in Europe and get to live in Madrid? You know, so I, I don't think so. That is the longest yes or no response I've ever gotten to a question, so thank you for that, Spoons. <laughs> you can't throw it to me and expect one word, baby. <laughs> All right, let's close out with uh, with this. You know, we still got one more uh, one more Summer League game to go here before this Summer League season wraps up and we crown our uh, Summer League dynasty truly begun. Right. Looking ahead at the season, other than winning a championship, Spoons, what are your three wishes for this upcoming season? All right. Can I make one request? Let's go back and forth. All right. You got it. Okay. All right. Number one. All right. I'm going from an order of importance. The first. So this is your number one wish. No, my this is my least important wish. Least important wish. Yeah. Least important. Important. Type A alert. Bruno Serpent. True. <laughs> Bruno surpasses Cantor in the rotation and becomes a legitimate third, second big in the NBA. Okay. That's my wish number one. You 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 flirting with me right now, Spoons? <laughs> We've been spending a lot of time together on the pod and texting, man. Oh, yeah. No. No, I just think um other than Rob, we don't have a young big on the roster. I think if we got another twenty three year old big that could be part of the long term plans. It's, it can be difficult to find guys like, hey, we got a big man who we can roll out there for 10 years and soak up 15 minutes a game and we won't get killed. We don't have that on the roster. So if Bruno can become that, I mean, that's already a home run trade because it got Tristan Thompson off the team. So if Bruno's, you know, a solid deep rotation piece out of that trade, I mean, that's a 
double home run trade, you know? So that's my wish number one. How about you, Jay? All right, my wish number one. So I didn't write mine in order of importance, but now I'm going to make some quick executive decisions to try to to sync up here. Um, Yours is so realistic and and seemingly attainable that like all of mine seem like, I don't know, we'll go through it. So my first one then, if I'm going in order of importance, Rob Williams, all defense. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. He's got to play. (laughs) <laughs> he's yeah, got to well, stay he's got to stay on the court he's got to play that's um, pro- that's the real issue isn't it but that's isn't it isn't it though so rob all defense that's my wish i feel if rob comes out because rob's going to get you eight to 12 points any given night just by diving to the basket because of the gravity that the jays have on their own and marcus is clever enough on pick and rolls and using his body to create that space for the big guys to get up i mean he was throwing lobs to the likes of Tice and Horford before anyone even close to Rob's athleticism showed up on the team. So I don't think it's going to be hard for him to get enough buckets to be a viable starting NBA center. I think the the big difference maker for Rob Williams is can he lock in enough separate from just his raw athleticism? Like that unadulterated athleticism that he has is great, makes for wonderful highlights, but does he have the ability to rein in some of that and express the discipline on the court enough to positionally put himself in positions and the team in position to be really successful throughout the course of the season. If he makes it to an all-defensive nod, I think that speaks to the Celtics as a championship contender. I I totally agree. I think you are absolutely spot on. Rob relies almost exclusively on his athleticism to play defense right now. That's why he's so great. You see him switch on to Harden. He's so hard to beat on switches because he's so athletic. And then Bryn Forbes drives to the rim on a pick and roll and he doesn't know where to be. And Bryn Forbes like beats him for a layup, you know? So I think if he can figure out where to be, Rob absolutely can be an all defensive team type player, at least on the fringe. So I don't think that's unreasonable at all because he's got the tools. He just needs to get the mind right. What's your number two, Spoons? Number two. Also, um, Aaron Neesmith wins the most improved player award by shooting 40%, averaging 16-ish points a game, and plays above average defense. Uh, I think that would turn us if we get all, you know, if we get all defensive team Rob and MIP Neesmith, we're going, you know, we're contending for the title, baby. I'm telling so you is, right now, by the time we get through these wishes, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> it's going to be Jason Tatum is Michael Jordan. It's right. going to be wish number three, effectively. So I'm now, with I, that. that's so I'll tone it down a little bit. I just want Neesmith to shoot over 40% from three and play average defense. And if he does that, he's going to average about 10 points a game. He's going to be a super valuable role player and he's going to be a starter. Damn it. I am gonna make. I'm gonna wish this into existence that he's in the starting lineup. Um, so if he's just hitting up open spot ups around the Jays, smart Rob pick and rolls, we're gonna be very very difficult to start stop. I like that one. My second one is Marcus Smart, the third All Star. <laughs> uh, these are getting unrealistic. <laughs> All right, that's enough out of you, spoons. Little Reddit thirteen. This is a shout out. All right, Marcus Smart the Hive smart is hive. alive. <laughs> the Hive. I'm with you, brother. 
And yeah, my second wish in order of importance for my three is Marcus Smart as the third all-star. People are sleeping on this man, and I'm fine with it because Marcus doesn't give a damn about what anyone has to say about anything. That dude knows one thing and one thing only, and that's being a dope human being, and a lot of that gets expressed on the basketball court. So I'm about it. I think it can happen. I think Marcus Smart is the third star that this squad needs and they just haven't realized they had right. And he's the diamond in the rough, baby. I'm saying it's going to happen. Don't laugh. So, at me, schools. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I love the optimism. I, I think that rampant Marcus optimism, will... <laughs> rampant, <laughs> a lot of optimism on this pod tonight. Uh, I will say that I don't think smart will ever make an all-star game, but I do think he can have an all-star like impact because of what he does on both ends. Um, I think to your point about Rob Williams, him and Smart have amazing chemistry. Smart's an amazing passer. He really is. I think he's going to really show out this season. I just don't think he's going to average enough points. And that's, you know, all-star games are so uh, dependent on points that I I don't think he'll make it. But I do think, I don't think he can be the third best player on a championship team, but that's an entirely different podcast. (laughs) We're going to end up getting into that because there's there's not not a lot of things that you and I see super different on. So that's one we're going to have to really unpack because I'm, I'm about the narrative that smart can be the third star in a championship winning Celtics team. That is. Yes. I can't be, I can't be taught otherwise. No. And and that's fair, but I do think, kind of to your point, I think Smart's going to have an incredible year next year. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Most important, most desirable wish you have for this upcoming season. Okay. Uh, I recently poured my heart and soul and three weeks of research and writing into a post about Jason Tatum passing the ball. So... My third wish next year is Jason Tatum averages between six and seven assists next year, or just generally becomes a more willing passer. Because if he does that, he will ascend to one of the best players in the NBA. Which takes us to my wish, which is Tatum as MVP. There we, I mean, if he's averaging 27 seven and seven rap on 61 percent true shooting which is what he averaged after the all-star break last year or after the trade deadline last year i mean that is mvp shit man that's so right we are yeah we're both we're both right there man and I, he can do it he has the ability he's just got to set the mindset right he's got to want to share the ball make those reads and I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just comes back to I'm incredibly bullish on this team next year, and I can't wait. Is it October yet? Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think we're seeing right now here in the Summer League and then with a couple of the moves that have been made so far that Jason Tatum and to maybe a a modestly lesser extent, Jalen Brown have significantly more balance and options as far as how to negotiate and navigate on offense whereas last season they were really on an island together alone and oftentimes they were having to do it solo because one or the other might not have been available and at the end of this the year and going into the playoffs losing Jalen Brown was just I mean just you couldn't ask for a less fortunate circumstance for Tatum going into that you know what had been just 
his best year to this point and, and his he's opportunity still balled out out yeah. of control against the fully he's, healthy nets <laughs> he's a mess right in the most beautiful possible way and so him and Jalen teamed up together uh i think are just there's there's no reason in my mind to break that up there's not a player in the league that i would break that up for right now there just isn't i don't no, there's not one name and i'll i'll have people criticize me for that i don't care what it Those is. are our guys, baby. Those are I'll our ride guys. Them to the fucking death. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, so I'm with you, Jason Tatum. However, he does it. I agree with you. I, I I love the post and I love the insight about Jason as a as a playmaker because I do see as well that being the key to him really unlocking that final level, that Super Saiyan level, right? Where he right, just yeah. goes Goku, baby, <laughs> just goes to a whole nother uh, exodus of existence. So. Listen, that's all the time we're going to have for today's pod. want to thank everybody for taking some time and enjoying some Celtics Reddit podcast conversation with us. We look forward to spending some time with you next time. Again, this has been Jason, a.k.a. Celtics J, and Mr. Wayne Spoonie himself. Love your work, man. Appreciate you being here with us today. Thanks, Jay. It was fun. All right.